part of the confession of the church that the church exists. And we see this confession, Lord's Day 21, the catechism, Hatterberg Catechism, there the teaching of the Word of God is summarized and confessed by the church. And we'll read this together. It's on page 535 in the Book of Praise. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself by his Spirit and Word in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, all and everyone, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, nor my sinful nature, against which I have to struggle all my life, but will graciously grant me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never come into condemnation. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, look around you this afternoon, people in the pews around you, in front of you, beside you, they, see they come of all different ages, all different social circles, all different backgrounds, different experiences. We ask the question, how did we all end up in the same building this afternoon? Someone came up and asked you, why are you a part of that church? How would you answer that person? I think most of us would answer that we are part of that church because we love the triune God. We want to worship him. Both adults and children who are members of this church would add that we belong belong to God's covenant and congregation because we receive the sign of baptism, the promises of redemption from sin and the Holy Spirit. Many of us would ex further explain that our love for the other members keep us motivated to be here regularly. There are many reasons, many explanations that we may have for being here this afternoon. But underneath all our own reasons is the explanation from God in his word. And that's what we confess together in Lord's Day 21. Lord's Day 21 points to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that we read to explain why we say that we are and forever shall remain a living member of the Holy Catholic Christian Church. When we turn to this passage of scripture, 
we see that the main reason that we are here this afternoon is because God has called all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has called us into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We see that from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, and verse 9. Although we may sometimes feel that we had a lot to do with the fact that we are here today, the scriptures show us as we confess that our membership in the church of God is a result of his work in our lives. We praise the Lord for the church. And I preach you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, the church is the unfinished result of God's work. We see that this church is gathered by his spirit and word, uh, joined unity of faith, and chosen to everlasting life. The believers who received the letter we just read from and they were believers who were living in a city called Corinth, a wealthy trade city that was filled with temples to many different gods, a city that was known in the Roman world for its immorality. Acts 18 describes how Paul planted the seed of the gospel in this worldly city, now he first was preaching the gospel to the Jews, and then when the Jews rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, he preached to the Gentiles. So Paul was busy there preaching first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. However, when we read Acts 18, verse 9, we will see that although it was clear that Paul was doing all this preaching, it was the Son of God who was really at work. I'll read to you Acts 18, verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul, one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. It was God's will, we read in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, it was God's will to call Paul to be the apostle who was sent by Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. And so the Lord is to be praised for the church that was gathered in Corinth. And what is true for the Corinthians is also true for today. Every church, every church plant, every believer is the result of the work of the Son of God. All those who serve this church planting work are mere instruments in the hands of the Lord. And that is why we begin our confession concerning the church by stating that we believe that the Son of God gathers, defends, and preserves for himself a church chosen to everlasting life. And the scriptures reveal that the Son of God gathers his church, as we confess also, by his spirit and word. The spirit is the agent that the Son of God uses to form his church on earth. And the scriptures are the means that the Holy Spirit uses 
to do this work. God the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets, ensured that the gospel was preserved in writing like we saw this morning, and then he had it announced without discrimination to all whom God in his good pleasure sends the gospel. Then whenever that same Bible is read, or preached, explained, and studied, it is the same Holy Spirit who opens the hearts of some of the hearers to pay attention to the word and believe what is revealed in the scriptures. When the Holy Spirit then makes his dwelling in the hearts of believers, they understand that they came to faith that God does his work through the scriptures. And it's for this reason that the church of Jesus Christ always wants to make sure that the Bible is in the center of every worship service, in the center of every person's life, their career, every relationship, every work of mission and evangelism, every part of the covenant dialogue of our worship services, including the content, the form, and the attitude. It's based on the revelation of God in the scriptures because we know that God promises to work faith through his word. And so Paul urges us, the church, in this direction when he calls the church in 2 Timothy 2 to, to entrust the gospel to leaders who rightly handle the word of truth. And then in 1 Timothy 4, verse 13, he says the church should devote themselves to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Since the Son of God gathers, defends, and preserves his church by his spirit and word, we show our trust in God and in God's way of working when we rely on the power of his word as the tool of the spirit to truly reach the innermost recesses of people's hearts. As the Holy Spirit applies the truth of the gospel to all of our lives, he's not just the pipe that brings water to the house, to use the analogy that we used last week, but he also channels the water to every corner within the house. When God hears our prayers to give life to what is dead within us, when the Lord gives us new thoughts and new desires in our lives, we praise the Holy Spirit for bringing about these changes as he continually applies the gospel to our lives as an ongoing work. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's so important to have this daily reading of scripture, study on your own, if you have a family together with your family. And as a result, whenever we talk about God's church, we need to talk about an already and a not yet. And that's why I used the word unfinished in the theme. The church already is, as we read in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, it already is sanctified by the Holy Spirit who, who works change into our lives and, and gives life through the, the word. 
At the same time, Christians are called to be saints, to be sanctified people. The church is a congregation of sinners who have already been set apart by the grace of God and enriched in Jesus Christ in speech and in knowledge, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 to 5. But the church is also eagerly waiting for more because the Lord Jesus has not yet been revealed, like we see chapter 1, verse 8. The church can know that Jesus Christ's work is real can experience the fullness of his gifts that we read about in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 6 to 7. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the grace of God. We have the Holy Spirit. And yet Christians will, at the same time, strive to be this church, who they are, in active, visible way. We strive to be living members of this church. And then we see as there's references to the speech in verse 5 and, and knowledge. Our speech matters. Our knowledge is causing changes within us. And so rather than just going through the, the motions of church as if we have already arrived, people with the Holy Spirit are, are eager to submit themselves to the scriptures. They are truly passionate for the truth of God's amazing grace as we constantly seek to live in harmony with everyone who calls upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Live joined in the unity of faith. Now this letter to the Corinthians that we, we read together, it, it can also serve as a window to reveal to us what kind of people the Son of God is gathering into his church. The names of the believers coming to the faith that are mentioned just in this letter to the Corinthians as an example, they indicate that Christ's church includes Jews and Greeks and Romans of varying degrees of wealth and status. And as we study the scriptures, then we, we quickly come to, to, to realize that the common denominator that joins every single member of Christ's church through, through all times and places is not age, it's not race, or country you belong to, it's not your language, it's not even your social status, but rather it is our common desire to call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bow before his lordship in all humility. It's when we're on our knees in humility before Jesus Christ that we see who belongs to the church beside us. There are no rules for membership but one. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Love him as your savior with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. This faith is what brought you here today. This faith is what unites you to the people sitting around you. Since such faith, such humility, such submission, these are gifts 
that are worked in our hearts by God the Holy Spirit, you can conclude that the people sitting beside you, people you meet, part of God's church all over the world, they are people that have been deliberately chosen out of the world and placed in your life by God himself. No member of the church of Christ can decide who is in, who is out, make your own rules as if it's a, a club. But as humble, saved sinners, we, we stand back and we watch the Lord in his church gathering work as, as he shows us who he's bringing into his Catholic or his universal church. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 describes it so nicely when it says the church consists of God's fellow workers. And then it compares the church to God's field, God's building. And if you want to worship him, if you want to worship this God who are, is bringing these people in around you, you will observe very carefully whom God has placed in your life. And you will love them. Brothers and sisters, again, we are already united by God's will. We are united to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord because of our common faith in God. And now the church is called to express this unity. Philippians 1 verse 9 has that prayer that their love may abound more and more. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, Right after the, the passage we read ends, it continues. There's no gray area here. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Led by the Holy Spirit, we will not want to allow our pride or our differences or anything else get in the way of what God has ordained to be his church. The situation of the church can be compared to the situation of a family. For just as God in his sovereign wisdom places us in a family without giving us any choice in the matter, and so he unites us to our parents or to our children, or to our siblings, with the call to, to live together as a family. So also in the church, God himself has brought us together without giving us a say in the matter, so that we might live together as the assembly he joined, seeking to live in harmony. Now as we pursue this love and Harmony, we do well to pay attention to John chapter 15, where the Lord Jesus makes it clear that such love for our neighbor, he calls it the fruit, the fruit of faith or bearing fruit. This love for your neighbor is only possible when we are first joined to him, to Jesus Christ, by true faith. And so using the imagery of a vine in John 15, the Lord Jesus says very clearly in verse 4, 
He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So here we are. We want to show love to our neighbor. We want to live in this, this fellowship. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, if you want to see this fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want to be joined to those sitting beside you in this church, you first need unity with me. And that's how the Catechism also describes the communion of saints. First, our fellowship with Christ, members of Christ. And second, it follows that we are united to one another. You see, although we may have the, the best of intentions, and we might have the, the strongest attraction to, to another person, if we are not first united to Christ ourselves by faith, we do not have the Holy Spirit, our attempts at healthy interaction will fall short and perhaps even harm the other person. Seeking to love God, to love and serve our neighbor without first loving Christ and receiving his benefits could be compared to a doctor who gives the wrong pill to a patient. Although such attempts have all the forms of, of help and care, the solutions presented don't meet the needs the results can be devastating. Also in the church, we can recognize that there are helpers who actually help, and there are helpers whose manners, whose advice, whose attitude, when it is not a godly way of speaking or interacting, it can actually do more harm than good. There are helpers who help, and there are helpers who harm because they're not really helping, even in the church. A forgiven person who is a gossip, or a forgiven person who is still struggling with his own pride, or his own selfishness, or his own envy, can fail to love their fellow church member properly. And whether it shows in the, in the actual words that we say, and some of the words we have said can, are quite hurtful words. Or in the decision to say something or, or not to say something or, or the things that is decision to, to do something or perhaps fail to do something. Whether it shows in any of these ways the root difference between good support in the church and bad support in the church is closely related to our relationship to Jesus Christ. And the use of the Holy Spirit's means of grace in our own lives. The big question always is, is Christ's Spirit within me leading me to think or to say or to do these things in my interaction with others? When you notice tensions in your relationships, and these relationships are in the congregation here, we're thinking maybe of a Sunday gathering, but also our relationships as husbands and wives, relationships with our parents, our relationships with our children and our, and our own 
families. We notice tensions in these relationships or there's a distance that is, that is growing between you as a husband with your wife or you as a wife with your husband. The first thing you, you need to think about is how closely you yourself are walking in Jesus Christ. Are you reading the scriptures? Are you daily praying for understanding? Are you applying them to your life? Are you praying for the Spirit to guide your thoughts, to guide your mouths, to guide your hands when, when you talk to one another? For it's exactly when we forget about the grace that God has shown to us, or when we've never been asked to, to cancel the debt of another person so that we don't understand the character of Christ's forgiveness, it's in that moment that we also become incapable of truly forgiving, showing grace to our neighbor. And so in John 15, our Lord Jesus shows us that the best thing for the communion of saints, the best thing for your, your marriages, the best thing for your friendships is to draw near to God in Jesus Christ yourself, first of all. To meditate often on the benefits you receive, to allow the Spirit to, to bring these benefits to all the corners of your life. To pray for ongoing sanctification in your own life. For the more that Christ's love is seen in our own lives, the more of a blessing we will be to those around us. And that's good for all eternity. The church is chosen for everlasting life. The promise for the church in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8 is that the Lord will sustain those whom he has called out of the world to be his church. He will sustain you guiltless day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a surprising statement to find in the introduction to a letter that deals with so much sin and brokenness in the church at Corinth. When we looked at the window of what kind of people are gathered in this church, we looked at ages and, and races, but we also know 1 Corinthians is a book that, that recounts, has a list of so many different sins that, that God's people were, were committing. And so after mentioning the name of Jesus Christ in every one of the first nine verses of the letter, the Holy Spirit assures us that the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness are sufficient to cover over the sins of the most rebellious people. Cover over the sins of every member of Christ's church. This statement is not only true for the Corinthians. And today, I may declare that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will be found guiltless along with the Corinthian believers on the day of the Lord because of Christ's satisfaction. We can confidently confess, as we do in Lord's Day 21, we can confidently confess that God will graciously grant us the righteousness of Christ so that we may never come into condemnation. In the church of Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of sins. It's the motive for our joy. That's why we, we are singing together. 
We know we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, verse 6. God will certainly sustain his church to the end. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8. Even to the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that promise that we will be considered guiltless in the day of the Lord, it's something we want to mention. It's a promise that is is so special for us because we realize how guilty we are today. The order of the statements in the Apostles' Creed, in that order, the church makes it clear that we believe that even after we have been gathered together by Christ, we still need the forgiveness of sins. The church is not a place where where you can expect perfection This assembly is not a place where there is perfection. In fact, you could almost see that it's a recipe for more sins. We first confess that the church is gathered by the Son of God. Then in the second place, we confess, if you follow the lines of the Apostles' Creed, the next thing we confess is the communion of saints. God called us, all those whom he called out of the world, he calls us to to live together. And then almost as if we can picture this group of gathered sinners who are struggling against their their sinful nature and then struggling to get along with each other, then we confess in the forgiveness of our sins. When Christ gathers sinners together and he calls us to live together in unity, things will not always go smoothly. We see this in our families. We see this in our marriages when when we're brought so close together. We see this in our congregation. Our love, concern, our close proximity, that means being close to one another, it can sometimes lead to unwelcomed opinions. We've all heard that. Somebody has an opinion for you today. Leads to tensions. Leads to, to frictions perhaps even hurtful words, it's a consequence of being together. And it's from out of this reality of being brought together by the Son of God, brought together with other weak sinners who are battling their own sinful natures, that we boldly confess that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. It's a foundation of our unity. We believe that God forgives us when we sin against others so that we can still look at them in the eye afterwards without shame because of the forgiveness of our sins. We believe that God forgives others when they sin against us. So we're seeking to to heal the breaches. This faith and the forgiveness of sins is the only way that harmony and unity can continue until the end. For not only does it lead us to feel safe, to humbly confess our sins to one another, to repent, to seek reconciliation, but it also motivates us to forgive our neighbors. And we've seen that too, have we not, in our marriages, families, in the church, communion, fellowship, Brothers and sisters, if there are grudges between you as as members of the church, 
If there is any resentment that you're holding on to in your heart due to differences of opinions or wrong, hurtful things that have been done, may your understanding of how much God has forgiven you now lead you to forgive those who repent and seek reconciliation with you. You see, if you are in the church of Jesus Christ, God has chosen you to live together with the people around you, not only today or even the next few years, decades on this earth, he's chosen you to live together forever, for eternity. The church is chosen for everlasting life. And there is renewal. There is restoration. When we humble ourselves before the cross of Jesus Christ that, that also unites us together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, same chapter, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God is not finished with us yet. And the fight against our sinful nature must continue for a while longer. But you can be sure, as we read in Philippians 1 verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Why are you a member of the church of Jesus Christ? Why are you here again this afternoon? Well, if anyone asks, would ask us that question, would you not answer with a smile on your face, maybe your finger pointing to, to the heavens, saying, I seek to be a living member of this church because God himself has called me to be here. Because Christ died on a cross to pay for my sins and make me innocent and, and pure before him. Because the Holy Spirit is, is sanctifying my heart so that my love toward all those whom God has placed beside me may abound more and more. Amen.